iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and I like to think that this is the best place to get a review of the weekend's football action, especially when it says so on my script. And this is where we debate the big issues as well. And to do this in the studio today is pretty awesome because we have joining us Matt Hughes. I believe it's the first time this season. I also believe you're not wearing your cycling gear today, right? That's grinding gear. Cycling or running gear. Well, whatever it is, it's sleek and spandexy. You're not wearing your running gear either. No, he's, no, he's I'm, wearing not. A tutu. I'm not. I am exactly. Uh, the voice you heard, of course, was the always humorous uh, James Scowcroft. And wearing a hat to the back, a, a reverse baseball cap for some French reason, it's Julien Lawrence. Coming up, we'll be talking some Chelsea and Spurs, and we'll be talking some Matthew Syed with Matthew Syed. But first, we're heading to Old Trafford. James, it's four home draws in a row for United. Ander Herrera came out saying that, well, but, you know, the keeper was man of the match, opposing keeper man of the match, we're unlucky, blah, blah, blah. I actually have a teeny tiny bit of sympathy for your mate Mourinho. And that you probably should have between six and eight more points on the table. No? What's that based on? Based on the fact that Mourinho says so and Andrew Herrera agrees. No, based on the fact that against Burnley, against Stoke, against Arsenal, against, I mean, this last game here against West Ham, these are all game, winnable games where, where it so happened that you either had an opposing goalkeeper doing really well or, or some mod level of bad luck or, or whatever, and that the performances certainly are better than they were at the start of the season. Or indeed under Van Hal. But it's United's worst start for 30 years. Bar Arsenal, you'd look at the teams and you think, well, if they were top six teams, fair enough, but they're teams that you would put down as a banker home win. I, I don't know. Have the performances been better? Or does it, I mean, am I grasping at straws here? I, I, am I being Rui Feria? United can't score goals. That's their problem. They can't kill teams off. That's exactly the point. I'm just looking for this yesterday's starting lineup and thinking, where are the goals going to come from? Definitely Rashford. And I think they've, cre- they've created more opportunities than their opponents but they're old Trafford could they they blooming well should so I'm not that sympathetic and I still think well they're playing slightly better football the team is unbalanced he hasn't worked out where Pogba should be playing really and for Mourinho's sort of USP has always been hi me day one we go hit the ground running and this has not happened at at United and that's the first time I think in his entire career he's been unable to kind of flick that switch which I think is interesting Julian are you going to join into this Mourinho pylon because I would argue actually that he knows where he wants to play Pogba and he knows how he wants to use Carrick and against the big teams Carrick plays and against the crummy teams that he thinks thinks he thinks are crummy I agree with you in the way that they're playing better you agree I don't with agree with Herrera. the unlucky thing. What was unlucky? What they wanted the keeper to not stop the goals. What's unlucky? Unlucky is if you hit the bar five times where the keeper were beaten each time, and then you say we were unlucky. If the other team's keeper is having a great game, what you say like, oh, we were unlucky because he saved everything. That's are not. They, that's not luck. Are they playing better than they were they the start of the season? Are they so playing better than they were under, under? Are they playing better than they were under Van Hal? They're playing better, but they're getting worse results. So performances have a predictive quality to them. The table does not. 
But the irony of this conversation is that the manager of Manchester United that only cares about the, results and not That is the delicious irony here, which is that somebody who kept going on and on and on about how much he's won and all his titles and, and you know, uh, my favourite stat, which gets repeated often by our, our friend Duncan Castles, is that it's something like, I think he said he won three league titles in five full seasons. Not counting the two, the two where he got, got sacked. sacked. <laughs> and then he says, like, every time that he was able to, to play without interference from above, he won the league title. The Pogba incident? Yellow card? No. Yes. Borderline, probably, yeah. Zero. You know how much I love him. He is a great drop of the shoulder, and then nobody's nowhere near him. It's not even he jumps to avoid the tackle. There's no tackle. It's like Noble's leg is far from him. Why it does just... Noble do that, by the way? No, because nobody thinks they can get the ball. But, but you it's see how just, far away. The, by the, but you yeah. see how far away the ball is. The ball's on Pogba's other foot. Right? It's just too quick I, for Noble, I think. But there's no reason for for Pogba to 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 let himself go on the floor like that. It could be a bit unbalanced. I give you that, Scoey, because I know what you're going to say. It's too much, though. And the ball, the touch is a bit heavy as well. After dropped of the shoulder, his ball is a bit heavy. He can't get the ball back. Scoey set him straight. He dropped his shoulder with a brilliant piece of skill, and it's it's impossible to think. Oh, he's going to come out. He sees him coming out, you know, and you you play against players that you think he's going to tackle me here. He's got that close, he's going to take you. Know, you know who you're playing against. Mark Noble is that kind of player that you think, well, if he can get close to me, he'll tackle me. So it's a great bit of skill to go past him. And he just you just automatically think, right, it's going to come here and I'm, I'm going to have to jump it. You can't stand still and think, well, I'll let him hit me. It's just a natural thing to do. And it's well, just no way of booking. I think anyone that's played the game would not book him in that situation. Usually you don't seem really fussed by uh, whether this was a yellow or not. I do want to point out, though, that for there to be simulation, don't you have to kind of, don't um, as a referee, isn't the implication that you, the guy player is trying to con you? I'm not suggesting that. I don't think there's a clear-cut situation where it's not either it's a foul or simulation. It could also be... He's been punished for a great bit of skill. You don't believe you, you would try to take a dive in that area of the pitch? No, no. That, but do you believe he's a diving re- cheat? No, he's not. And French, too? He's not. Well, no, he can't be French and a cheat, but... It's what else then? There's, there's no, there's no explanation, and I, I, I understand what Scoey says, and I, you know, I've played football as well, not as well as Scoey, but and and I can see why. Okay, you're a bit, but I think again, nobody's far from Pogba. It's not even close. Hughesy, that decision upset Jose Mourinho, who was sent to the stands for the second time this season. I don't know if you have more information than I do. Uh, what I could see just from the pictures is he got angry. He kicked a water bottle really hard. The fourth official mumbled something to him. And then Moss came over and sent him off. Now, obviously, if he said something horrendous to the fourth official, then he should go. We don't know if he said that or not. And this being England, we may never find out. But some people suggest that when he does stuff like this, it is partly for the crowd and the cameras and whatever else. Well, if that's the case, he's not very—he's not as smart as he thinks he is, is he? Because he's going to get himself sent off, as he did again. Start of last season, FA introduced new rules governing managerial conduct and in that specifically referenced kicking water bottles etc so these these guys they know they know they know the rules and they, they should behave should behave properly i know it's kind of funny but it doesn't look great does it if, if every manager at a kids football team is going around kicking water bottles on the side of a pitch very quickly things get out of hand so i think he's got no, he can't he's got no right to complain and and it's for it's for yellow it's for something so little as well. You know, if it was the ninetieth minute and I don't know, there was a an offside or a penalty or something and that that would deny you possibly three points. But what's what's the point to do it for that? Scoey, have you ever been playing on the pitch and seen your manager sent off or sent to the stands? Yes. Who was it? 
Neil Warnock. I'm <laughs> surprised <laughs> every week. <laughs> well, well, and what he did, he was very clever, Neil Warnock, and he, he invented a way of having a go at the referee. And he would say to me, "Scoey, tell the referee," and, and the referee would be right, come over close and everything. Tell the referee, he doesn't know what he's doing, he's got that decision wrong. And it, so what he would do is the referee would hear it, but he was actually having a go at me about it. So do you understand? And he, he, he was a master of doing that. And, and at half time, we'd go down the tunnel and at the end, he would absolutely lambast the referee. But he would do it towards somebody else. And it was, it was fantastic. I mean, well, it wasn't fantastic how he did it, but he was... <laughs> when he did get sent off, I'm assuming if he did that, somebody got wise to it. How does it affect you on the pitch? Are you just like, oh, look, Gaffer's gone, or like... You just get on with it, don't you? I'm trying to think of the game he did because I can remember him waving both arms and I I can remember him walking up to the director's box as well and I think he's obviously said something there. Can I reiterate my call to the PGMO or the Premier League or whoever it is? When you send these people off, don't let them go in the stands. Don't let them put them back in the dressing room with a chaperone, no phone, and just freaking make them sit there. Like a player. Why would it be different for a manager? Obviously, from this year we had we had the year. Remember the what was the year years ago when like Wenger got yeah, sent off and he got lost in the stadium. It was like that. Like, I, I find it very hard to understand that. Obviously, Wenger was a prime example, and with all how strict the Premier League is, that there isn't every club that says if a manager gets sent off, you have to go through this procedure. Have you got Sitting a designated there, area yeah. where he sits? It's just nobody knows what's going on. You saw yesterday. You send them two... in the dressing room with a chaperone. So, yeah. Because you saw yesterday when, when Mourinho was sent off, those two stewards from Old Trafford, so you, you assume United fans probably, having to like come and say, oh, Jose, this is this way. <laughs> and like, they probably never spoken to him before, so that was quite cool. But also is to tell him like, sorry, mate, it's, it's this way, come with us, which is really weird. Let's talk West Ham. It looked all doom and gloom because I guess going in, but before today, I think none of the strikers had scored a goal. But then all of a sudden, Sacco scores straight away and Dimitri Payet, I thought, Played played better certainly the last two games especially this one they'll be just fine right I mean I think they will I think I think credit to them for keeping Bellic whether they they kept him because no one else was available or they you know they asked a few managers that didn't want to come but for just for Payet it's the first time in his career and at his age as well it's not easy that he had a winter, uh, summer tournament with an international one with France a proper one where as well he played every single game he looked shattered at the end of the Euros. And I think he was always taking, always going to take him a bit of time at the start of the season to get back to full fitness, to get back to his best level because his his fitness is not his biggest quality, uh, as we all know. And I think he is also a bit dependent of the rest of the team. I think more than more than we thought maybe. And and last year he worked so well because the team was working so well. And this season he had to do more things on his own, like that incredible goal he scored, for example, or that Rabona assist for Antonio and those kind of things. And they can only be okay if he's if he's good and a good player like like yesterday, like Sunday at Old Trafford will help a lot. Yeah, I agree. I think West Ham will be okay. They're sort of victims of overachieving last year in a way. I mean, mm. obviously Leicester did that and far, injury, far right? more than anyone. But you know, the teams that did well last year, with the exception of Southampton, have kind of struggled to back it up. And it's a t- it's a tough league, and the bigger teams, have, with the exception of United, have got better. So um, yeah, but hey, wait, 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 I'm sorry. What, what what kind of like lamezoid excuse is it? I, I'm looking from the other side, right? I'm sorry. I knew I was supposed not to be controversial here or or, or contrarian. But Hughesy, help me here, right? Let's pretend I'll your name try. is David, yep. right? And you're one of the owners of this club. Yeah. You have this club. You spent money on it. You made this whole arrangement with the new stadium, right? In the summer, you're like, hey, uh, Slavin, who should we get? Let's hang on to all our young stars, which I believe by and large they they did. 
let's give the good guys new contracts. Lanzini, Payet, like these guys are, are good. We've got Noble. Crestwell gets hurt. He's only out for three months, but that's okay. Look, just, just to be sure, we're going to go and we'll, we'll bring in this Masuaku fellow who then gets hurt as well, but that's another issue, right? And then we're going to go and spend a whole boatload of money on, on Andre Ayu. And you want another skillful attacking midfielder type? Okay, here's Figuli. I don't understand. They, they spent on the money. They, they strengthen the squad. They've had injuries. Why isn't it legitimate to assume that, you know, since managers need time and everything and Mourinho and his three transfer windows, why isn't it legitimate to assume that West Ham should be better? And they look at some of the teams at the table who are ahead of them. Yeah, but you can't assume anything and they're ahead of them. But they're... No, but it was, sorry, not assume, but expect, right? I mean, sorry, it's like, Billich, this is why you, we put our faith in you. And you get paid a lot of money to manage a big club in a big city with a big stadium and a big budget. Yeah, but I think there are a lot of mitigating factors that are beyond Billich's control, not least the shambles of the stadium. And if you're David Gold or David Sullivan, I think Slavin Billich... both of them at once. both of them at once. Then uh, Slavin Billich is the least of your problems. They need to sort out the stadium first. And you still have James Collins. But he only plays because Winston Reid was suspended. Ultimately, you have to stay in the Premier League. Which I think they will. They will. You, you guys make the Premier League seem like such an absolute drag where there's like four or five teams that, that are vying for the title, uh, united and ongoing so- soap opera, teams like Southampton where we used to in Everton where we feign an interest, who can they break into the top six? And then the rest is just a whole like pile of dross, like trying to avoid the drop. You got it. You just, you just end the podcast. <laughs> I think I like the Premier League more than you people do, honestly. Final thought on United and West Ham. My friend and colleague, Duncan Castles, who's obviously right to the Sunday Times and is very close to the Mourinho camp, he made the point that it's going to take another another two to three transfer windows to get United, that the players know the quality, that they can take United to the level that they're at. It's three windows, man, when it's not working in three windows, what is he going to say? Ah, oh, but it's not my fault. It's, come on. Spent 200 million in the summer, more than anyone else. And you had six months to prepare the transfer but window. But he says you, can only, you can't bring in four or five players of quality in a transfer well, in window. in August he said, I only want, what was the phrase he used? I, I like specialists. So I pick my four players I want. Just excuses. It's yeah. rubbish. Do you think if he had another three stra- transfer windows and he spent about 200 million in each one, <laughs> Scoey, that United would be competitive? Well, they've had, since Ferguson left now, they must have had a, a dozen transfer windows. And they've spent more money. I know, but they've only had period. one under uh, Mourinho. Uh, that's the point. They've spent more money in that period than they have in the entire history of the club. They've spent <sighs> okay. fortunes. Can you guys not so include what, three Moyes? Windows is what January 2018. They're going to be competitive then. Why? Well, yeah, so he already one had in January, no, he one already, in the summer, then January no, 2018. No, he already had the one. Okay, so two this more. past summer. Yeah, so okay. You know, hey. All right, so nobody's buying this. Mourinho doesn't know his best team, and Mourinho needs to get the best out of the players he's got, and he's not doing things like that, is he? They can't score goals. Okay, let's, the be best, the the best let's be clear, by the way. Let's be clear not even fair to Mourinho. Mourinho hasn't actually said this, a journalist who is very close to... Well, you've just said Mar- he is, and it's come from him, and blah, blah, blah. No, it's a journalist who's very close to Mourinho. Would you, would you say that's fair? A journalist who's often put yeah. Mourinho's views across and has fought Mourinho's corner? He certainly fights his corner, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> A uh, shout out to our sponsors, FanDuel. That's fanduel.co.uk. Uh, it's one day, it's just daily fantasy sports, basically. As regular listeners will know, that I thought fantasy sports was something that was slightly lame and slightly made for kids and people who didn't know better. But this is actually a bit different because they use a whole algorithm to tell you uh, how many points your guys get. Uh, the other thing that's pretty cool about it, unlike normal fantasy games, uh, you don't have to commit for the whole season. 
you're in and out one or two days and you can win money off it. And uh, there's the um, the 22 player contest, for example, uh, which I've entered teams in and uh, it's four pounds an entry and you can win up to uh, uh, 75 quid. Uh, so stuff like this, I find is actually fun. And the way it works, obviously, people who've played fantasy all know you get 100 million pounds you can spend on your squad. You got to be clever about it because you have to consider who's playing that week and whatnot and uh, who's more likely to score points for you. Uh, anyway, you can go to fanduel.co.uk. And if you enter our promo code, which is the game, not hard to uh, uh, remember, you're going to be given free credit of up to 10 pounds if you don't win cash in your first contest. So it's, it's a pretty good deal. Now, this is only available in the United Kingdom. You have to be over 18. Please play responsibly. And of course, terms and conditions apply. Moving on to Stamford Bridge, Chelsea and Tottenham. It's now seven wins in a row despite going a goal down. We'll get to Chelsea in a minute. I want to start with Tottenham, Julian, because I know you enjoy talking about them so much. Yeah. After that, that absolute shambles... That, that complete nonsense in midweek. I thought like, aha, Poch has jumped the shark. This is where it all falls apart. And instead, they go and take a lead. And for much of the first half, they maybe even looked better. They were better for the first despite half. Despite all their absentees as well. Yeah, but I think it helps when you've got Vertonghen at the back, which was not the case on Tuesday at Monaco in the Champions League, for example. So he was which, being rested? Yeah, which is a bit weird. I think in a game you had to win to, to stay in the competition. And I think I think the plan worked. The plan worked for forty-five minutes. It's a shame it didn't work for ninety minutes because, again, it was it was one of those games where if you could run as much as the Chelsea players, this Tottenham team could, without a doubt, you know, being on top of the game. That's where they were for forty-five minutes. When they stop, they stop running. That's where the that's where the troubles arrive in the second half. And and you see the Victor Moses goal. I'm sorry, but if I was Mauricio Pochettino, I would be so angry. I mean, angry doesn't even come close. Of a player allowed to run 70 yards with no one even getting close to him from your team. You know, at the end of the day, it was 11 against 11 in that second half as well. And how come Victor Moses is allowed to run all that time on his own from one box to well, the other to score? It? It's outrageous. Because it's it Son. Is, you can, you can, I, I would have thought it was Son too. Yeah, but I, You see Wimmer get sucked inside. But, yeah, but Wimmer has to go inside because, because I think, you know, Costa is crossing it. You've got people in the box. But Son and you see you see it on the on the footage as well. Son and even Eriksen are jogging. They're jogging back when Moses have been sprinting from his box to the to the Spurs box. And at that level, I'm sorry, you can do that with your mate on a on a Sunday morning, and you don't want to trail by. You don't trail by. You'll be lazy. But not at that level. I'm sorry. I I, I thought that was so bad. Really weird guy. I've you were still, there. So yeah, I still not quite understood what happened because um, for 40 minutes. Tottenham were outstanding. Chelsea were very poor. And then as soon as Chelsea got the second goal, Spurs um, didn't respond. The issue is if they mentally didn't... Mentally they've gone after a poor run, one win in ten, or physically they just worked so hard in that first half hour, pressing so high up the pitch yeah. that they were just they were just well, shattered. I mean, they do that. They have injuries and their squad is decimated. Yeah, but he rested people in midweek too, right? Yeah. And the ones he did play kind of stood around most of the game because they were so terrible. Yeah, but come on, they, have, they so, do have had, you know, they've had Kane's just come back, Lamella's been out, Alderweireld, who's the best defender, has been missed. That back four, Dyer, hmm. Vertonghen, Vimmer, is not a Premier League back four. So they've gone, Actually, from, they've gone from the best point, defense in the league. Interesting to point you make this about here about the back four, okay? Because people get angry at me when I say this, but all right, I think Alderweireld is very good and he wasn't there. I think Rose has been. Really, really good the last 18 months. Agreed. 
I think Kyle Walker runs very fast and puts in a lot of effort. I don't know that he's a he's as clever as Rose is or as gifted. But these other dudes, I mean, seriously. And when do we get off the Vertonghen tip? What? So like, so like the guy can hit a pass. The, the, the guy takes some hours to turn. Dyer. There's a reason why you move Dyer into yeah, midfield he's not, he's in the first place. No way is he a centre. This other guy, Vimmer. 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 <laughs> and also, I don't understand why can't Trippier play left back. And tell me, no, please don't tell me he's not left-footed. Is, is that the reason? I thought Vertonghen would start left back, I have to say. Well, and Vimmer in the middle. But are you just moving like people? It's like moving turns around, isn't it? I mean, what? I know, but when you have all, you only have those players anyway. So you have to, you know, you have to do something. And you clearly thought that was the best option. I was disappointed. I mean, every year I feel like I, you know, this is the year that, you know, Poch, I I really thought last year I thought they should have won it if I'm going to give them a pass. And I just see this and and they 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 just fall apart. They're just so fragile. And then another point on this, Musa Sissoko. Let me read you this quote. I'm about to ask him, where is Musa Sissoko? This is a man they paid 30 million pounds for. Anybody know what players in the history of the universe Tottenham have spent more money on than Musa Sissoko? None. Okay. Where is Musa Sissoko? And it's like, where's Waldo? Where's Musa? Right? He, says, he was at home, says Pochettino. He wasn't here. Football is not about money. It's about you being better and that you show on the training ground that you're better than another teammate and that you deserve to be involved or not. Listen, I'm all for it. If you want to play, you know, Pochettino, you're going to want to play sage old coach towards Musa Sissoko and make a point about entitlement and teach us a life lesson. It's absolutely great. I'm all in favor of that. But what I don't understand is Pochettino signed up. There's nowhere to hide now. You can't go and you can't blame your director of football. You can't blame Franco Baldini. You can't blame David Pleat. You can't even blame Levy on this one, can you? See, it's not, it's not like Levy woke up on deadline day and says, Oh my God, I haven't spent enough money. And of course, I love spending money, so I better go and buy Musa Sissoko. No, presumably Pochettino and his crew went and they learned everything there was to know about this guy. And they went to the club and they said... What is the explanation? It wasn't here? that. Remember, he was on his way to Everton. Exactly. He was on, on the M1 going to Liverpool and then they hijacked the move and he did a U-turn on, you know, whatever services that was and then came back down. Listen, the attitude... footage of that. Bro, but has, has <laughs> Musa Sissoko done something? Is, no. is, is there yeah, a deeper yeah, yeah. story here? No, no. The attitude has always been a problem with Musa Sissoko. I think the talent has always been there. The attitude was always a problem and we saw that with Newcastle when they were in trouble the year they were relegated. He couldn't, couldn't care less. And I, think, I thought he started well at Spurs. And I thought, the Man City game, outstanding. Especially, yeah. And I, okay, thought, so I, thought, I thought him moving to a big club, a real big club with... You know, title ambition and playing the Champions League this would sort him out in terms of attitude that he will put a shift in our training every day. He would be there, and clearly he isn't. And I think he was disappointed. I, I think that this could have happened much earlier in the season as well, by the way, because right. since that game against Spurs, things Sissy, have been yeah. really difficult from what I've heard. If I'm Levy, I'm absolutely furious. Not not over the result, but over the fact that we just spent this enormous amount of money and this huge contractual commitment to a player who, frankly. I'm not even sure that we need because when everybody's fit, well, who, who are you going to draw? I mean, are you, you going to tell me Sissoko is, is better than who? No, but he's versatile. So I don't he care. Can, he's, 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 come he's, he's, he can come in. He can. No, he brings well, well, he can, no, he can play wide. He can play yeah. centrally. Okay, sorry. Are Tottenham's wide for players. Lamella. Tottenham. No, but Lamella's been injured for three months. Yeah. And he's he brings something different word. than Lamella. Okay, for when everybody's fit, these people are better than Sissoko. Yeah, but you're telling me you need 11 players. No, that's fine. I don't need to make my club record signing some dude who I plan on putting on the bench. Yeah, but I, I think the, you... the, the club record thing is irrelevant, really. It's, we, we live in an inflationary market. 
the price. You think that's irrelevant to, to Levy? No, no. But it's whether he's good or not. It's not how much he costs. I agree with Pochettino on that. Yeah, he doesn't care. He should care. Because so what, you know you what? Be, no, if you no, 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 no. You should care because you got rid of all the bean counters, right? You're in charge now. You're surrounded by all these people. Yes, sir, may I have another? Yes, sir, you're so clever. Yes, you have all the power over everything, right? David pleats in his little cubbyhole. Everybody else is gone, right? Yeah. You so need you to be, take responsibility. You'll be, be, be angry at Posh for, for signing him. Not for or for not not getting the best out of him, or you would be furious at Sissoko. First of all, I would being, be furious. Uh, I would be furious, furious if I when I own a club, I will not allow transfers on deadline day, except in very specific situations because this is just stupid. Sissoko was there all summer. He wanted to yeah, leave but all they, summer. They chased him for for most of the summer. Yeah, and they chased him very well. If they still ended up having to spend thirty million pounds on on on, on this doofus, because right? they didn't want to pay that much, and to the point where they say, okay, now. But then eventually they did. Yeah. yeah okay. So, so you you made me spend this money. You take responsibility for him. Yeah. No, you can't I, go I and blame point. this yeah, on yeah. everybody. No, no, no. Right? Not. You know, you need to own this, and you say, I don't care how much it costs. Well, you should care. Right, yeah, because yeah. I let you take this club's money and spend it. Anyway, I am a big fan of Pochettino. I think he's great. Me too. I think on this point, though, he 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 really screwed up in a big way. Chelsea, seven wins in a row. Are you a believer, Scoey? Well, the results speak for themselves, don't they? And Victor yeah, Moses running seventy yards to score Chelsea's second goal as a former teammate of mine, Victor. And you would never, ever, ever say become a right. Is that a Palace? That was at Palace. Was yes. he faster than you? Not I'm quite. No, hoping he was faster. He was the most <laughs> he was naturally Even if he was gifted. hoping he was faster. Naturally gifted young players have come across. Very, very laid back. Lovely kid and fair play to Conte. He's got him playing right wing back and uh, he's having a season. I think he's having the best season of his career. I think that's fair to say. It's a great run, isn't it? A fantastic run. And I, ju I just think these clubs, Liverpool are the same. If you look at that and you, we go back to the point with Chelsea, if you're out of Europe... It is actually an advantage, isn't it? Massive. Whether Huge. you, you yeah, know, you want to gloss it up or not, it's a massive advantage. By the way, just as an aside, there's a great debate on Twitter last night, which ended up involving a whole bunch of people, including, I think, Piers Morgan and Martin Ziegler yeah. and Gary Neville and what was Gary Neville doing? Rory K. Smith. Gary's original point is he he goes and he tweets out something which I think is wrong, so basically blaming the Europa League for for United's poor results, which I don't think makes any sense because I think the performances have been good. There's a, uh, some kind of tabloid newspaper then goes and, not The Sun, I hasten to add, the other one, goes and takes his tweet and turns it into, into a story and, you know, with a headline like, Gary Neville run, jumps to the defense of, and it's literally like an hour after he tweeted it. How is this a news story? And then Piers Morgan well, obviously waits. a famous person says something, it's a story. I don't think it's a particularly interesting story or a good story, but that's just running a website. It's just endless and they'll put anything up. So seven wins in a row. A lot of the success has been ascribed to this 3-4-3, but surely it's not just that. Did you think, and, and Conte come out, came out and said, and nobody believed me, that he originally wanted to play 4-2-4, that that's his best formation. Not going to happen, Husey, but do you think they're going to continue with this 3-4-3? Are there some obvious tweaks that they can make or should be making? It'd be really interesting to see what they do at Man City on Saturday. I think they'll play the same system. He could bring in William for Pedro, I suppose, make it slightly more solid. But it's, it just seems to perfectly suit the players he's got, whether by accident or design, two wing-backs who aren't the best, well... Alonso is more defensive than uh, Moses, so that balances itself pretty well. And it's brought the best out of Louise. And it basically means when they've got the ball, they can just flood bodies forward. And Costa drags the opponents out of position, and the wingers bomb forward. And there's just 
even when they're not playing well, they're going to they're going to create chances. So I think he'll stick with it. I think the one player who hasn't um, really had the credit he deserves is um, Aspilicueta, playing as a third centre back, having been a right back, a left back. That's his third position, and he without him, the system doesn't work because he provides so much cover for Moses to bomb forward. I think he's been outstanding. Do you not think this is a prime example? And we talked about Marino this morning and other coaches, and we'll, we'll go on to talk about more of a manager getting the best out of the squad that he's got in individuals. Yeah, exactly. And I think also we can't ignore the fact that he has had a time on the training pitch to put it into practice. He has, as we said earlier, he has seven seven days between every game. They work very hard. I agree with that. But what I would say about that argument is you only really know in games if it works. It's it's hard to sort of say, oh, this works in training. You know, there's an argument that maybe Manchester United don't train as much as what Chelsea, but Mourinho's had more time to seize players in in the real match day. Yeah, and he's he's taken the players with with him as well. They've all bought into it yeah. we were talking to Gary Cahill the other week and he said after the Arsenal game I wouldn't have had any complaints if it had been dropped I was so bad but Conte stuck with him and as a result yeah. partly as a result his performances have improved did he look a bit like a 4-2-4 in the second half with, with Hazard playing a bit more centrally almost like level with Costa and then you had Pedro Moses on the right and Alonso on the left he, he felt like I'm not sure do you, he has, has he given up completely on the, the 4-2-4 or could, could that 3-4-3 at some point he just tweaks it a little bit and he goes to a 4-2-4 which no one expects really and, and again you can you can have an extra man up front and he, and he offers you different options and 4-2-4 with Alonso as his left winger? No, no, no as a left, left back. back and you put but, Moses forward and yeah. move Aspie over yeah because Pedro moved a lot and he's, Pedro's goal comes from being on the left hand side although that was the end of the first half but could has he given up completely on that 4-2-4 no I don't three? think he gives up on anything because I think, I think it's, it's very interesting how you can move from a 3-4-3 to the 4-2-4 quite easily actually in that team because Alonso can very easily play as a left back and then Aspilicueta as a right back and suddenly you have Matic and Conte and then you you just tweaks a bit the Hazard, Costa I don't Pedro think and, and Moses I don't think he's fully comfortable the four-two-four requires certain very specific movements, and you're right; he might be working towards that. And I know he's tried it in in training, but four-two-four is just pretty alien because, especially the way he played it and the way he played it in his time in, in Siena, th- this isn't like a four-four-two where the wingers bomb on. This is like a real four-two-four, mm. which is very difficult for people to wrap their heads around if they haven't had it already. So, I think it might be it might be down the road. Are they favourites for the title now? I think Man City probably still just about favourites. I think the top three will be the top three unless Liverpool implode. I don't see Arsenal being good enough again. Sorry, Jules. Nah, um, I agree with you. Yeah, the lack of other distractions is is huge for, for Chelsea. January comes along. There's those awful League Cup semi-finals, FA Cup. Chelsea just play four games, win them all. They can strengthen the squad as well in January if they want to. They need, they they, they need another midfield player. Yeah. Uh, if, if they lost Kante or Matic or they lost Costa, they'd have a big problem because he, he does. He will not. He's not having Oscar or Fabregas. Mikel's back. And he's not having Mikel either. Yeah. Oh. So um, weird. What I like though, what Hazard said to you after the game was that you would think that maybe at half time Conte would be a bit yeah, unhappy. And that you know you could. See, he's the type of coming back in the dressing room at halftime and just like ripping them apart if he's not happy. And Hazard said you know it was quite quiet and just said we have to use to use uh, Moses and and Alonso a bit more. But you would expect him to be a bit more like come on you know I think he's amazing. I think he. I really do. I think he gets angry when he feels under siege. But he got angry after Liverpool at home after the game. I don't know about half time. Yeah, but I know after but the game he went he gave it to them. And you don't want, you, you wouldn't want him to be in the same room as him angry. 
Clearly, I think. Yeah, no. I don't know not. if you've been Gab, but... I, I, I have I wouldn't want to be in the same room with Gab and Conte. <laughs> yeah, Let me tell you. Horrendous. Imagine the argument <laughs> between Gab and Conte. That'd be amazing. Enough Conte. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Moving on in our debate section, a story that's kind of dominated the headlines in the past week. It all began with uh, um, Daniel Taylor uh, of The Guardian and his piece on young footballers being abused. And we've had a, a number, I think, of important pieces on this from, from Matt Dickinson to uh, Henry Winter. Matthew Saya, though, joins us on the phone now, and he wrote his own column on the subject. Um, but Matthew, before we get into sort of the, the your argument in the column, I just want to talk about w- w- what is a reasonable sort of standard of, of duty of care and and oversight to expect from the sporting from the sporting authorities. I mean, is it comparable to what we would expect from our schools or our, or our childcare? Yeah, I think it is comparable because if one has an institution that children are involved with that has a lower standard and a different set of protocols and procedures, then by logical inference, and that is the place that will be targeted by highly manipulative and often very sophisticated paedophiles. So it is important wherever children are involved that there are high standards. And these do impose, I mean, it's worth saying, they do impose very, you know, very rightly quite severe obligations on any organizations that do have interaction with, with children. I, I set up and uh, co-founded and now sit as a trustee on a very large or at least a, a middle-sized children's charity we have 53 full-time programs and it is a big part of our bandwidth and and a big part of our cost to make sure that we do look after children not just child protection but also safeguarding and it, and and obviously what this story is showing is that in the in the last century where these standards were a lot lower it did give massive uh, opportunities for paedophiles to exploit young footballers. James, you, you're a contemporary of, of some of these people who've come out and have talked about being abused, So, and you were a youth footballer, obviously, in that era. And also you have another perspective because you, you work with, with youth coaches today. When you think back to, to your time when you were roughly that age and the culture around the club, especially in the relationship between coaches and players, what differences do you, do you know? Well, there's a stark difference. And, and I think I think I agree with a lot of what Matthew said this morning. I, I go back to, to this was the 80s when I was a kid and I was coming through a, uh, Academy of Centre of Excellence. And there were some excellent coaches and youth development officers who you would strike up a really special relationship with and they almost became part of your family. And they were just good, solid people. But now you can't do that. You you cannot. I, I can remember a coach often giving me a lift home, or, or you know, and they they cared, you know. The, and if you're going to develop young footballers or into another sport, you, you do have to have a close relationship. I don't think you can be long distance or distance with them. And and that was a the case. Now 
you know, obviously the system's been abused and it's very hard to, to sort of, you know, stop it before it starts. But what I would say now, the modern day, it is so strict now. You cannot, for example, as a coach, which I am at the moment, I could not give someone a lift home or drop them off at a train station. It's so regulated by the FA. I'm not quite sure what the FA can do much more at the moment. Um, everybody's CRB checked. I just think if anything went on to, in today's society, it would last for two minutes before somebody was, was ousted and it would um, they would go down the, uh, the channels. Can, can I ask a stupid question about this? And, and maybe this was explained to you in your training. If you were a sexual predator, what does that have to do with giving somebody a lift to the train station. I mean, in the sense that surely you would meet them outside. What happens, Gab, is you have to protect yourself because if a child says something... It's you, and you're in an awful situation. So this is, you know, what what we do is... Which is much to protect the coach. Oh, it's so far now that anything you say to a child, even if it's related on his game performances, has to be witnessed by somebody else. It's almost... And I agree with a lot of it, but what's gone out of the window now is that relationship that I had with with a small select of people who really helped me, you know, develop as a footballer and as a person. You can't have a relationship like that anymore, so it's... It's getting the balance right, really, but I think Matthew's right. You know, we can't let all coaches be tainted by this scandal. There are some. Just hope everybody puts it into perspective. And if anybody has, you know, hopefully they'll be ousted and named and shamed. Well, one of the arguments there that you know you mentioned, Crew and, and Matthew, you, you you touch upon this as well. After the fact, when these things come out, you're left with this uneasy situation of. Did the institution, not were they complicit, I mean, nobody I would hope would suggest that, but did they know at the time when, when they identify a sexual predator, they may oust him, but then do they have an obligation to go further? And obviously there was the case with the FA documentary in 1997, I think it was. Graham Kelly, who was, um, was in charge at the time, coming out and saying, well, gee, I, I didn't know that, you know, none of this information ever passed my desk. Inside, it, it, it kind of feels like sort of the, the, the cover-ups afterwards are the bit that's most unsettling. I mean, do you chalk it down to a different culture at the time? Um, to an extent, I do. And I, I don't mean that in any way to remove accountability and responsibility from the clubs and from the governing body. But I was quite struck by something that James Ducker said um, yesterday, where he said the media coverage actually wasn't that significant at the time the paedophile was convicted. It just didn't seem to be that big a story. Whereas now, of course, it's created huge scrutiny. And I think there has been a real sea change in our recognition of this deep, sensitive and complex problem. And just picking up on on something else that was said, this is reflected in much more rigorous uh, procedures and protocols that protect both the coaches and the children. And I think my fear, and what I was trying to reflect in the column, is that parents will say, oh, goodness me, we must take our children out of their sports clubs. You know, we can't be sure of their safety. That's what you were wanting, that's what you were considering doing, right? So, yeah, we we watched the Victoria Derbyshire show on on catch-up, because I'd heard so much about it, me and my wife, and I just turned to her and I said, you know what, let's take Evie and Teddy out of their tennis lessons. I mean, we can't be 100% sure. And then it was, and she was like, yeah, you know what, because it's very emotional, it's very stark, and, and fear is a very natural emotion for parents. But of course, the climate has changed. It's not to say that it's 100% secure because you can never be sure of that. But I just wanted to reflect on the fact that, that the procedures are a lot tighter now. And there's an opposite risk that if you keep your children at home and wrap them up in cotton wool and never allow them to go out and explore and adventure into the world, there's a terrible risk that they won't develop the resilience and the character and the great virtues that are one of the consequences of playing sport 
under the auspices of a really inspirational coach. You just do need that closeness with mentors and these wonderful people. I mean, two, two coaches I mentioned in the column completely changed my life. I spent Wednesday afternoon with them last week, and it just brought memories back of this extraordinary deep friendship that I had with them and how much they had changed my drive, my motivation, and you know, built that resilience, which is such, such an important part of life. Well, thank you, Matthew. Uh, we'll see how this story develops. Also related to youth development, but on a different, very different uh, situation. There was an exclusive by one of us in the room uh, last week related to youth development in Manchester City. Anybody volunteer? Oh, right, sorry, yeah. Yeah, that would be you, Matthews. Mm-hmm. A lot of people aren't clear on this at all. When we talk, when we praise like, oh, so-and-so's youth academy, oh, they're so good, blah, blah, blah. You know, a lot of times, if we just judge it by what players graduate from the academy to the first team, a lot of it has to do with the fact that you know, better football clubs have better scouts and sometimes more money, and they go and they take the best kids from, from other teams. It's been going on since time immemorial. But you have a story that Manchester City are under attack by their jealous neighbours up north. Well, that's one way of putting it. That's probably the Man City version. Yeah, I've been told by lots of people in football over the last few weeks that Man City... I mean, there's always been a bit of a kind of law of the jungle out there, but the perception on the ground is that Man City are sort of going above and beyond in terms of aggressively scouting opponents, taking players from other Category 1 academies. And in this instance, Liverpool particularly lost a uh, 15-year-old goalkeeper last summer to Man City, a kid called Louis Molden, and that transfer is yet to be signed off by the Premier League. Um, and they're kind of going through various procedures to work out if uh, City behaved and that was the one transfer I was able to write about, but apparently there are lots of other grievances. I, I, I wanted to just on, just just on the regulations on that point. You make the point that, that there's some fancy uh, private school up there where city players are sent to, and it's it's very expensive and whatnot. All cat ones have private schools. Okay, but what I found it interesting, but you know what? Not all private schools are created equal. Some of them are just a way to extract money from gullible parents, and others are very good private schools. But anyway, the point I was making was, one of the things they're accused of doing is that they pay the school fees for siblings, or indeed they'll continue paying school fees after the kid has been dropped by the team and is no longer part of the team, if they don't think yeah, he's good enough. Yeah, they pay the fees up to 18, even if they leave at 12. They're denied paying but siblings I, I'm sorry, fees, but I'm uh, sorry, excuse me. I just look at it from a parent perspective. Why is this illegal? I mean, isn't this kind of that's desirable? Not, that's not illegal. The suggestion is that that's an, from other clubs. I may host not the Premier League. The suggestion is that that's an inducement. Um, inducement? What? We're going to give your children. City. We're going to give your children an education yeah, instead of yeah. paying the parents. You but pay you the pay, school fees. But surely education is something desirable. That I I don't I mean. Okay, we all become so incredibly anti-intellectual. No, I, I get that so, point. But you're not giving them money. You're giving them an education. No, but, and yeah, but through money. money. Because what? otherwise they, they couldn't afford the that money. education. But surely it's desirable for people who couldn't otherwise afford it to be educated. Yeah. Is it not an inducement? That is yeah. the argument. Yeah, but it's why. It's a good inducement. I don't I don't understand. What's stopping every other club from doing this? You're not supposed to offer any inducement, financial or otherwise, yeah. to, to recruit no, But this is a child. stupid one because this is an inducement that's desirable for society. I don't... That's just me. I'm sure there's valid reasons. Right, time now for some quick hits. Though for those who are unfamiliar with it, the idea is I will ask a question. Uh, you have 20 seconds to answer. After 20 seconds, you will hear this sound, and then I will let you speak for another five seconds, if I'm so generously inclined, after which you will hear this sound effect, 
And then after that, I will comment and I will always get the last word. And it's going to annoy some people on Twitter. But hey, that's life. Arsenal bounced back from European disappointment with a 3-1 win over Bournemouth. But Eddie Howe points out that his team were denied two penalties and in fact played rather well and should have had more. Julian, you're of course entirely impartial here. Is Eddie Howe correct and Arsenal were actually a bit fortunate? Or is Eddie Howe just a ginger, insane guy living on the South Coast? They're really well. They probably, you know, on, on another day had a draw. I'm not so sure about the two penalties. Even the one they got, I was not sure it was a pen. They probably could have had the, the handball for, for Montreal. But I thought they played well. And, and like I said, every season since they got up, they will stay up. No problem about that. And by the way, in case you didn't know it, Alexis Sanchez is a proper machine. The guy is incredible incredible how because he scored a, a goal in he's a machine the guy when that quote from Wenger at the end when you think he's dead he's still alive it's exactly that he plays on one leg he's played 500 games this year and he still runs his, like he did it's just inc- I, I really do whether you like him or not whether you're an Arsenal fan or not I think the guy is incredible I was just surprised that he kept playing him but I know but I don't think hey. he has the, he doesn't have the choice I think he, he cannot yes. he, he can't tell Alexis you're not playing I promise you. I think they 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 have that kind of relationship where oh. Alexis says, "I want to play." He plays. Manchester City overcome Burnley two one as Pep leaves out Kevin De Bruyne, David Silva, and Ilkay Gundogan. Hughie, um, given that City don't play again till next Saturday, uh, is this a case of Pep being too clever again, and it nearly costing him? Um, possibly, but they got the result, I guess, which is all that matters. And I think he's conscious that he's got. Christmas, New Year coming up, lots of games, so he does need to rest players. I think what's most interesting is what's what's happened to Colo Torre in the last, sorry, Yaya Torre in the last few weeks, and he's really been reintegrated to the squad, which is another victory for Pep. It's a definitely a victory for Pep. Some might say that maybe if Yaya had been there all season, they might not, they might have even more points and be further along. But no, that's his fault. For- all right, just, just, just pointing that out. Middlesbrough grab a point at Leicester City as the beast Alvaro Negredo bags two and his teammate Adam Clayton says it would be hard even for Lionel Messi to score tons at Borough. Scoey, you're, you're, you were no Messi as a player, but you did play up front and you did play up front on some bad teams. What do you make of this? What, what does he actually mean? I mean... Well, I presume he means that his team probably pass, 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 but don't pass forward. And I'm sure his manager, if he reads those quotes, won't be overly uh, enamoured with him. So, You like this guy, right, Negredo? Uh, yeah, I think he's... I thought he did OK at Man City. I think wherever he's done, he's uh, uh, Valencia as well. I thought he was OK. I think he's strong, physical, technically good. I think in a different team, he would be um, would suit him better than Middlesbrough. Scored a ton of goals at City uh, as well, as I recall, but nobody seems to remember that. Liverpool rolled to a 2-0 win over Sunderland, but as we record this, we're all worried about Philippe Coutinho's injury. Julian, uh, you told us earlier how much you adore Alexis Sanchez. What do you make of Coutinho? How much worse would Liverpool be without him? I adore Coutinho as well, and I think it's a huge loss, obviously. There's no surprise there. He's been their best player, one of the best players with, with that front three. I think they've got depth though Origi showed when he came on and scored that first goal that he can play a part in there I think Sturridge and Lalana surely are on their way back from full fitness they'll probably be ready for the next game in the league at least next weekend so for that I think they're covered it won't be the same without Coutinho but they'll be okay also because all those guys do different things from Coutinho true You'd but have to he's got other combine them into one player. Maybe like, you know, in the fly when you got one guy and the other yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, that would work. That would work. Lalana and Sturridge in one. 
So somebody named Josh Sims plays well for Southampton in their 1-0 victory over Everton. And Ronald Koeman, who of course uh, managed Southampton last season, gets lambasted for apparently not being too aware of him. Excuse me, the kid is 19. Are we in the media being a bit hard on Koeman? Um, I don't think so. I think Koeman himself was a bit churlish. Admittedly, lost a game at his old club, so wouldn't have been happy. But there's sort of a convention in, in sport, really, where a young kid does well. You say nice things about him, even if he's an opponent, particularly if he, if he used to work for you, which he, he did. So I'm sure Koeman would have been aware of everyone at the Southampton from you the sure? age of 12. Yeah, he's 19. He's clearly on the edge of the first team. He, he must have known who he is. You're telling me he only knows 20 players when he's manager for two years. Um, I just thought he could have, you know, said I don't know much about him, but uttered a nice platitude rather than saying that's not my problem and kind of yeah, flouncing really off. Bad, wasn't it? Yeah, he's, he's he's often very very rude. I I wish Alison Rudd would be here yeah. to defend Ronald Koeman. To try to defend. To try no, to defend him from your your wanton attacks. Crystal Palace somehow contrived to give Swansea two goals in a 5-4 thriller stroke horror show, which also coincides with Bob Bradley's uh, first win. It's going. Were there any positives at all in this game? And do you understand why Alan Pardew is still there? Well, if you're a sponsor, it's a positive because you pick three points from Crystal Palace. It is a horror show, isn't it? And I think the reason he's still there is because his side isn't in the bottom three. And although they've been on this horrific run in 2016, they've yet to be in the bottom three. But their next two games are... Southampton at home, Holloway, and I think they are two massive gains for Alan Pardew. I want to ask a point on the back of this. It's a fo- technical football point. I watched Match of the Day and they were dissecting this, and Phil Neville says of Christian Benteke, he says he's the best header of the ball in Europe, and then he criticizes him for his defensive heading because he's, he's the wrong side of whoever it was, Leroy Fur or Fernando Llorente or some other dude. But how, how different is your aerial prowess at heading the ball on the attacking end versus marking defensively on set pieces? Uh, good I question. assume you did both. Yeah, I did. Um, are they different skill sets? Yes, they are. Not not as different as what I think you're coming from, as what Phil Neville's coming from. They, they are different. I think defensively it's mainly about concentration. It's not always about the technique. It's about concentration. It's about picking your man up and basically just getting any part of your body on the ball to, to clear it where in front of goal... It's all about the technique. It's all about, you know, position, the way I'm going to attack the ball, how I'm going to attack the ball, body shape. You know, you, you, you get taught to have your, your chin tucked in so you head it down. So they are they are totally different. I wouldn't say totally different, but they are different. Also, you're attacking the ball when you're attacking and whereas you're going backwards when you're defending, which is a completely different... Are you? Yeah, if you're on the edge of the box defending, you're going to go towards your so, goal. Right, so if I'm at the defend- far post and someone puts an arm marking it and someone puts a ball in near post at defending corner, we're not going to go and attack the ball? Yeah, but Benteke is not on the post. If Benteke is on the edge of the box, marking you, yeah. and you attacking, Benteke is going to run towards his goal to clear the ball. But he's still attacking the ball. Yeah, but running towards his goal, which is a different, it's a different he's dynamic. Towards than, the opposition goal. Yeah. For, so if the corner is reversed, Benteke is trying to score in your goal. He's attacking towards your goal, running towards your goal. Yeah. Now they are, so for example, it's easier for both him to, examples. He's yeah, running but, towards a goal. Yeah, but towards your goal or the opposition goes different. Yeah, but for he's example, still running towards a goal. Well, that's no, not the point. If now, you, if you, now if you defend, yeah, but if you're defending, it's harder. You can't then then head the ball in your goal. It, it's, of course, it's, it is. It's an easier it's skill see, to head the ball defending because you just got to get any part of your body no, no, on but it. If to you're clear. marking someone, you you have to look at the ball. 
and, and are you, are your player. Your when you yeah, attack, so I said my point. It's right. just a concentration thing. Yeah, but when you're attacking, you only look at the ball. You don't look at your defender. It's not just a concentration. No, it's it's about being able to keep up. You would attack the space where the defender isn't. Yeah, but you watch the ball coming. If you're defending, you have to watch your player and the ball. Your player and the ball. The best person. Attacking the ball and his movement, and I would show any young any young centre forward video is Cavani at PSG. Yeah, so he he's not just attacking the ball; he is. Hey, where's my defender? How am I going to lose him? Gab, one for you. The classical is next week. Although here in England we won't be able to see at all. Uh, we hear that Real and Barca both had rough weekends. What happened? No, this business with the kickoff times, obviously, it's to do with the blackout rule. We're talking about this since we're blue in the face. People are very adamant about this, and they get very touchy. So I'll just move on from there. But yes, they had tough weekends. Real Madrid were, were, were frankly, um, were really terrible against Sporting Gijon. Uh, they took the lead, uh, but really nothing worked in the 4-4-2. Zinedine Zidane had this great quote, and he said, what did I like today? He says, like, absolutely nothing except for the result. Um, Barcelona were even worse. In fact, they should have lost at Real Sociedad. They drew uh, 1-1. Serious defensive problems. Real Sociedad did push them up, uh, did press them up the he- the pitch. I think Barcelona had um, uh, less than 50% possession for what feels like the first time in, in Yonks. So I, I think they'll both be fine, but they are clearly thinking ahead to next Saturday. Right, that's all we've got time for today. Many, many, many thanks to my guests today, Julian Lawrence, James Scowcroft, and Matt Hughes. And also thank you to Matthew Syed. I remember, it's just £12 for a 12-week trial. Just search The Times online. Now, you can also press that subscribe button on wherever you choose to download your podcast and leave a review on iTunes if you're listening on an Apple device. We're going to be back next week. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information, head to thetimes.co.uk. helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.